0: Welcome to Some Coding Required, a podcast from SynGrid about all things open source. Today's Ask Me Anything Frequently Asked question is, how can Hacktoberfest? help my open source project. Well, all you have to do is add the Hacktoberfest label to your issues that are open, and you might be surprised. You might all of a sudden start getting people, sometimes within seconds, starting to contribute to your project. So especially if uh, you're just starting out and you don't have a lot of contributors, this is a great way to get things kind of bootstrapped and get some momentum going You know, here at SendGrid, the first time we did Hacktoberfest, it was a handful of uh, participants. Then we had, like I think, like 70-something, and then we shot for a goal of 100. Next you know, we had 1,000, and then uh, now um, we've reached over 500. Just, you know, today as I'm recording this, October 11th, it's just amazing how that momentum builds. And it's not just for Hacktoberfest. What's amazing is that the momentum continues throughout the year. Those who um, started work and uh, received some of our swag, they continue to contribute either by providing feedback or more donated code or code reviews. They uh, definitely become part of the community and that's what we love. We love to have a thriving community of people who feel like they belong and that they have say in how the project grows. And so I think um, the biggest thing is, is building your community. If you already have a solid community, um, adding the Hacktoberfest tag and bringing in those folks in is a great way to kind of uh, improve your mentorship chops, because you'll find that there'll be a lot of people coming to your repo that are brand new to open source, just getting started. And there's your opportunity to give back through mentorship. Teach them how it's done, show them how to be a good contributor and how to be a a good part of the community. So there's you know, tons of ways Hacktoberfest can help your project in the show notes. Um, I put a uh, case study to how we were able to, uh, utilize Hacktoberfest as a way to grow our community and grow the collaboration amongst the people who already were contributing to now a whole new crop of developers. Really, um, awesome stuff. Also, one other thing that uh, I think was super valuable about bringing Hacktoberfest folks onto the projects is the new ideas they bring to the table. Because you know, I mentioned that you can add the Hacktoberfest label to existing issues, but you'll be surprised at what people bring to the table just naturally by looking around in your repo and bringing their skills. Uh, one quick example is, for example, with our Python repo, we, um, you know, support, uh the, the 2.x uh, branch and three 3.x branch, but there are certain versions like 2.6 and 3.0 that are, that are now um, deprecated uh, end of life actually. And um, someone just came in and decided to update our repos so that um, they reflected that. And, and that was awesome. It was something that we did not put an issue for. Um, hadn't really thought about it. Um, and they just fixed it. And so that's great. So you'll, you'll notice by being part of the community, you'll um, not only get issues that you want to get done, but you'll find new things that you didn't even think about. So hope you enjoyed that. If you wanted to um, ask us uh, more questions, you can reach us at somecodingrequired at simgrid.com. Or you can find us on Twitter. Um, I'm at Thinking Serious. Or you can also um, just hit up at SynGrid and just use hashtag some coding required. Look forward to answering your next question. For this week in open source, we want to highlight more of an event. Uh, rather than a particular project, and that is, as you may have guessed the theme, Hacktoberfest. So I encourage you to head on over to hacktoberfest.digitalocean.com to learn all about it. I also recommend you check out the Changelog podcast, where um, one of the uh, co-creators of Hacktoberfest speaks to the Changelog crew about um, the early beginnings and how it's evolved Uh, very interesting uh, podcast to listen to. Um, but yeah, uh, Hacktoberfest from the standpoint of both a maintainer and a contributor, my advice would be to dig in on both sides of the equation. It's it's a great deal of fun. Um, if you haven't uh, played around in open source for a while, well, here's your chance because so many people are putting out issues there um, from all ranges of difficulties from easy typos to more sophisticated full-blown features um anything that you're interested in i guarantee there'll be something out there for you and if not um don't be afraid just to open up your own issue or just make a pr and just contribute you know this the spirit of this thing is to get everybody back involved with open source and contribute and just acknowledge all of the awesome people out there creating this great software that we all use every day and maybe sometime take for granted this is our chance to give back and uh, i hope you enjoy it um we love hacktoberfest and i think this is something that every year it'll be something that we celebrate and we hope you too you do too Welcome back to Some Coding Required. Today we have Ashley Roach, who is our Principal Product Manager for Developer Experience at SendGrid. And I wanted him to have an opportunity to introduce himself to the community and talk a little bit about his past with open source before we jump into today's topic about Hacktoberfest.
1: Hey, thanks, Elmer. Um, uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, It's exciting to uh, have joined SendGrid at uh, the right um, the right time for Hacktoberfest to kick off. Uh, so a little bit about me. Um, I joined uh, SendGrid here from uh, from Cisco, uh, where I was part of our Developer Relations Group, um, Cisco DevNet, and uh, and we definitely had a lot of open source activity uh, within that group. We published uh, a bunch of Tutorials in open source. We did lots of sample code. Um, you know, Cisco has a fairly broad portfolio of products, and so some have a mixture of things like uh, trying to make H two sixty four an open protocol. Uh, so the, there's codecs that we've made uh, that we made uh, open source, uh, but also in in uh, my uh, Couple jobs ago, uh, I was also at a company called Jabber. Uh, so, for those of you that know Slack uh, these days, Jabber Jabber was the Slack back then um, of uh, persistent group chat. And Jabber was actually an interesting company because it was formed uh, around an open source protocol called uh, the Jabber protocol, or eventually it was renamed to XMPP. So uh, we had we had kind of a an entity, corporate entity that was uh, giving back to the open source community as well as, um, you know, we were kind of beneficiaries of, of the open protocols for, uh, for persistent group chat. So yeah, long, fairly long career uh, in and out of, of open source uh, communities. So definitely respect the open source community. Want to see, uh, us grow that and, you know, embrace what we uh, we were able to do with uh, with open source.
0: That's awesome. As you could tell, dear listener, we are very lucky here at Syngrid to have Ashley on the team. Um, we're especially excited about the experience our developers are going to have with um, his expertise today. We wanted to talk a little bit about Hacktoberfest because it is that time of season once again. <laughs> and uh, we here at CentGrid had the great pleasure of participating last year where we had over a thousand uh, PRs. It was uh, quite magnificent. Um, we learned a lot through that process. It, um, it tested all of our systems to the to the maximum ability that they could be tested. In fact, exploding a few of them along the way. And uh <laughs> We wanted to share a little bit about that from a maintainer's perspective. But first, we wanted to talk a little bit from a participant's perspective. We all had um, participated as well by contributing to other projects, and uh, we wanted to give you a little bit of advice and maybe some insights that might help you take the, the most advantage of Hacktoberfest um, I'll just start with a quick background. Um, you know, Hacktoberfest is started by DigitalOcean and GitHub as a collaboration effort where the idea is that you have, a uh, uh, PRs. That are tagged with the tag Hacktoberfest. And if you um, contribute to four of those in the period of uh, October 1st to October 31st, you will get some awesome swag from the uh, folks over at DigitalOcean and GitHub. They send a custom t shirt and stickers. And um, we decided to do something similar last year. We also gave away uh, t shirts, stickers, and a, a hacker pin. And um, It turned out to be a really amazing experience this year. um, It's it's similar rules. Uh, I think it's five PRs now that you need to do in order to uh, get the swag. And then some companies like ourselves are also offering additional swag. So we'll have, like last year, a custom SynGrid um, branded swag that you'll be able to um, partake if you decide to help out. But beyond that, um, you know, the, the, obviously everyone wants an awesome shirt. That's a given. But uh, it's a great opportunity um, for multiple levels of open source practitioners. So if you're from brand new to a, a veteran, um, you know, there's lots of stuff that you could do for the person that's brand new. Um, I would look for tags like my first PR or beginner. There's several. Um, if you go to myfirstpr.com, there's um, a lot of resources there for those just starting out. That way, you can find something that you could just get started with, and then you know, see if it has that Hacktoberfest tag as well. Um, GitHub um, and DigitalOcean will be promoting those things through their official website, and then just jump in and start doing some stuff. You know, last year we had a lot of people contributing to our documentation, um, fixing up some tests, uh, solving some bugs—all good. And it allows you to add some, you know, more more um, experience to your resume as an open source contributor. The code's there for everyone to see, and also it's it's great practice. And um, and uh, at this point, I'm going to hand over to um, Ashley as I continue to to ramble on too much, uh, <laughs> and uh, see what kind of insights um, Mr. Roach has for those who want to participate.
1: Sure. Um, well, one thing I wanted to also add is uh, so DigitalOcean and GitHub were the original sponsors of uh, of Hacktoberfest, um, but this year also Twilio is participating as a sponsor. Um, so definitely um, excited to have them as you know another sort of API first company be in the mix to support uh, open source. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think we've got uh, we've got a lot of interesting you know work that could be done in in our uh, libraries primarily, uh, and but the other thing too is that we we also have given back to the open source community, so it's not it's not all just about SendGrid. Um, you know, we run a lot of our infrastructure on open source, um, and so you know we recognize that and we want to be good citizens, right, of the open source community. So, you know, for a couple of examples, we we recently published uh, a new repo that is an open source, um, that are open source UI components. So for React, so if you, you know, you're used to like bootstrap uh, UI components, these are, uh, these are ones that fit within React. So that's, uh, that's a cool project. Um, and then we have two sort of more DevOps-oriented ones um, that I just want to point out. One is called Krampus, and the other is Justice Engine. Uh, they're both related to, one is related to, the first is related to, um, uh, is related to AWS security policies. Uh, and then the other one has to do with, uh, I think it has to do with sort of, um, um, what's it called? Oh yes, there we go. So the, the other one has to do with Chaos Monkey uh, and I think it has to do with automating things within Chaos Monkey. So the other thing we're trying to do this year is have a repo that is more open-ended and enables developers to do things in an integration scenario with the platform. So for example, connecting WordPress and forms more know, in, in a more cohesive way um, that it's connected into the SendGrid APIs. So, you know, we're really looking forward to trying that out, um, seeing what people think about that. Uh, and those might be maybe a little more advanced for someone. But if you're like, hey, I want to try to do maybe more of a full project, then smaller con- contributions, this, this could be a good avenue for you.
0: Yes, this is super exciting. Um, we, we had so many kind of open-ended contributions last year that it it was really interesting to see different people's take on on uh, the SendGrid API. And I would say, in general, that's something to think about when you're perusing different projects to add your contribution to. Don't just focus on the open issues. Maybe there's something that isn't open that you want to contribute. Um, that's also an experience in and of itself because – The experience of pitching your idea, getting the community to buy in, and ultimately approving you to move forward. And incidentally, that would be the approach I would take instead of just jumping in there and submitting the PR, although that's also valid. But I would recommend that you first um, discuss it with the community. Uh, I like the idea of documentation-driven development where you provide what the solution will look like once it's complete and then get the community feedback so that you can iterate very quickly. Um, in the show notes we will have some links to some content that we've written about that we have a couple of articles out there that talk about how to contribute and maintain open source projects uh, f- again on the participant side um, you know I, I would take a step back and make some goals uh, I, Hectoberfest is going to come and go super quick. And I remember the very first time I heard about it, I had all these ambitions and all these things I wanted to do. And next thing you know, it was November and I didn't do anything. So <laughs> make sure that you actually schedule the time, take a step back, look at what your um, goals are. Um, think about the... Uh, Projects you use in your day to day life, and uh, see if you can contribute back to those. I promise you that's a, it's a great feeling to be able to contribute back to something that you use normally, and then to know that your work is now actually an official part of the project. It's a fantastic um, feeling, and you know if you think about all of the people who have contributed to any of these open source projects, it's really amazing. Uh, all of those volunteer hours that could be spent doing countless other things. Um, I like to personally think of it as uh, educational challenge and also sort of like a, um, sharpening of the saw, if you will, kind of like going to hackathons in general. Uh, it's one of the things I used to enjoy for the competitive nature of seeing, okay, what can I, given these uh, several APIs, what can I hack up to make um, interesting? And also, finally, I'll give you this tip. Um, that's also an interesting thing to do is uh, contribute to documentation by demonstrating how to use a particular API in a certain circumstance. Like, for example, in the case of SynGrid, say you wanted to... Um, creatively use our inbound parse, uh, for, uh, responding to certain emails that have certain keywords in it. For example, um, that would be a really cool thing to document and show how you did that step-by-step, including, um, publishing it to, uh, one of the cloud providers, because a lot of times you read through the documentation and you just get, um, the, um, middle part of how to actually do it, but you don't see the thinking that went into it, the planning and then the actual deployment. So that might be a way to help contribute and make some of these projects more um, realistic and also educational for other people. So the people who are just starting out, these sorts of things are awesome for them. So they could take a journey from signing up with from, from with an account, thinking through a, an idea, implementing it and then actually deploying it. That's very satisfying. And so, just a, a few more ideas, um, and before we switch over to the maintainer's perspective, um, Ashley, um, what would you suggest to someone who maybe they they've been in the open source arena for a very long time and they already have a lot of t-shirts, but they still want to contribute? Um, what would you say to to those type of people?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think folks that are experienced in the communities uh, already, I think there's opportunities for mentorship. Um, So there's, you know, there's clearly like the recent news about, um, you know, Linus uh, Torvalds taking taking a little break from maintaining the, you know, the Linux kernel. Yeah, I think there is for people who want to foster, you know, creative and, um, you know, productive relationships through these communities can, you know, set a good example, uh, be, be good mentors, encourage people positively, uh, because I think some of those stories and the history of it being a bit of a dog eat dog community in open source, uh, you know that's not true everywhere <laughs> in open source. Uh, it's certainly not something we encourage in our uh, in our repos. Um, but I think you know we should be good patrons of the people that are coming into our uh, our repos and help help them so that they'll want to contribute not just to your repo to but to others uh, within the open source community. Beautifully
0: stated. I wholeheartedly agree. I think we've seen that in our repos over the years where even when someone were to come in with a lot of negativity, the community would jump in and quickly write the conversation. And I thought that was really awesome. And, you know, a lot of times it's the senior developer that has that authority to come in and kind of, you know, be the leader. And so if you're in that position, you know, use your, your power wisely, you know, it could be in the comments section, you know, I've seen lots of threads go um, sideways and um, just takes a couple of people to chime in to, to fix it. Um, doesn't have to, to go crazy. Um, from the standpoint of maintaining Hacktoberfest um, this is something that uh, kind of hit us by surprise you know originally we thought we would just put some Hacktoberfest labels on things and see what happens and all of a sudden a flood of, of contributions came in so that uh, prompted us to take a step back and actually plan these things um, and it helped us kind of re-evaluate how we interact with our community, what are our principles, and, and what are we ultimately doing to make the experience of our developers um, awesome. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we're super excited to have Ashley here with us, because that's his um, forte. He's already done an amazing job over at... Um, Cisco and uh, now we look forward to uh, furthering that process and I think it might be a good time to discuss a little bit about your ideas about how to um, kind of maintain and foster an open source community kind of generally because it's going to directly affect how people interact with their Hacktoberfest people it's just that when Hacktoberfest happens it's like whatever your normal is it could be like 10x or 200x
1: yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, in some ways, Hacktoberfest is good because you can kind of get a lot of activity uh, all all at once. But obviously, if you're new to open source as a maintainer, uh, that can be problematic. Um, you know, if if you're just doing this as a project yourself. Uh, You know, it's going to take a while to go through the pull requests (laughs) and the questions. And so, you know, that's um, that's makes it not easy. And I don't think I don't think it is easy necessarily to have a have an active community around a particular project. Um, So, you know, I don't think there's a, a real silver bullet here, to be frank. Um, clearly, it's almost like building a, a product depends on what you want out of it. You know, do you want this to be a, a lifestyle thing, or do you want this to be a rocket ship? Um, you know, it's really hard to probably come up with the next Kubernetes uh, as a as an open source project as an individual developer. Um, the other, you know, the other thing um, we should talk about, and we can do this later, is there, there are open source projects out there like, um, you know, I think like the SSL libraries, if I recall, that have very few maintainers, um, that has a high bar to contribute to. But, um, you know, that goes back to the original sentiment around giving back in, into open source. Um, but, uh, but anyway, we can talk about that at some point if we want to, but just kind of throw that out there as like a most super critical important piece of the internet basically and there's probably like three people that maintain it <laughs> um, so anyway, going back to your your question uh, of, of a maintainer, uh, you know if you think about even just maintaining um, if you want to maintain a blog or you have any kind of thing where you're you are creating content, um, whether it's code, whether it's writing, whether it's art, any of those kinds of things, um, it is, it is challenging, but if you, you know, if you have a particular passion about a project and you want to, you want to foster a community around it, other people, um, are interested in that same thing, then you'll, you'll hit, you'll hit a nerve in a good way. Right. And I think you'll get a, a lot of following, um, Clearly, if you want to get more serious about it, then you probably have to think about how to market your your project. Um, so, who who's an influencer in that community? How do you how do you get them on board with your project? Maybe get a retweet uh, that uh, hey, I'm doing this thing. Maybe publish in uh, ha- the show Hacker News. Um, that's a good forum to very focused forum of developers to get both good and bad feedback or <laughs> positive and negative feedback on your project. Uh, you know, that's another potential avenue. Uh, clearly blogging can do some of that, but someone needs to be looking for the, the pain, right? That, that you're suffering as well. So for example, like I have an open source project that frankly, I don't maintain all that actively. But what, it, what I had as a pain point was I had to write tutorials and I was writing a tutorial in readme's uh, using Markdown. But I also had to present that same information a lot of times. And so I thought it was kind of a problem and very painful to keep in sync like code samples that you might have in a readme with a presentation, you know, as you make changes and so on. So I thought, well, you know, I know about like reveal.js and I know markdown um, and I know how to do some coding. So can I create a tool that will parse uh, parse the readme file and create reveal.js slides out of it? Um, so, so that was really kind of cool. Um, it turned out to be pretty popular, at least within my team, you know, back at Cisco because we, a lot of us had to do the same thing. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's usually, Hey, I have this particular problem. (laughs) I'm going to put it out there. Uh, and you know, I don't think I have a lot of contributors. Maybe I've gotten one contribution or something. Um, but it is, uh, I haven't actively marketed it or any of that kind of stuff either. So, um, so anyway, those are some thoughts. I don't know. Elmer, do you have any yourself as, as someone who's maintained a lot of stuff too? Yeah, I
0: wanted to, um, end this podcast with a couple of, um, you know, top tips, um, for myself specifically, I have three and they all, um, kind of, touch on this topic a bit um firstly i would say and, and this goes back to a, a friend of mine uh back in the days of dig.com i remember he gave me the uh, advice when i was starting off in social media um, that he lived by this mantra of you can't outgive the giver and he was always just focused on giving and um it always came back to him in multiples and there's one little piece I'd add to that, and that would, that would be lurk and then give. And what I mean by lurk is first understand the community that you're dealing with. So if you choose a project that you want to contribute to, um, take a look at some of the closed issues, uh, kind of see the tone of the community, see if there's any uh, chat um, that you can join in, um, you know, just kind of... Um, Poke around and see what's going on, see if there's any hot button issues that have a lot of conversation around it, see the interplay between the maintainers and the community. And then once you get a good um, handling on that, um, just think about ways to give and just like be, you know that person that just can't uh, be overshadowed in their giving. And uh, it'll be amazing that just going through that process, what will happen because as you give, you'll start asking questions, you'll start communicating and you'll be known as that person that just goes in there and gets stuff done. And that's, that's all uh, positive. Um, another thing, um, Ashley mentioned a little bit about the idea of negative feedback from Hacker News. Um, if you've ever had one of your articles reach their front page, you know exactly what he's talking about. Maybe even cringed a little or, uh, maybe even, uh, Rolled into the fetal position, but uh, the um, one thing I wanted to mention about that is uh, you can't take this stuff personal. Um, I remember listening to a podcast with um, the maintainer of homebrew, and he was uh, talking about how it was hard for him to keep contributors because they would get threatened all the time. He personally was threatened at his own home, and to me that sounded like totally absurd. I didn't understand how can people threaten such a, you know, an awesome project that we all use every day. Um, but apparently, you know, for whatever reason, there's people out there that just have that, um, that, uh, uh you know, just kind of desire just to kind of, um, cause a little bit of anarchy, I guess. Uh, but you know, you, you gotta take that for what it's worth. One thing that I did learn from, you know, now maintaining lots of, of these open source projects is that you can't just, um, Holy delete um the negativity because sometimes it comes from a genuine place maybe they just don't know how to express it in a way that's tactful and uh you know we all probably have done something like that in our past. And so the best advice I'd give there is try to, you know, coach them, but also read between the lines and figure out, well, if they were that angry to say something, then something seriously probably is wrong. and You should probably figure out what that is, Um, but try to steer it in a way to where you flip that conversation on its head and make it um, positive. And in some cases, we've been able to Turn those really heated, negative conversations into contributions. It doesn't always happen, but um, keep an open mind because a lot of time within, buried within that criticism, are some real gems. And finally, um, from a maintainer standpoint, I think um, clearly defining issues in advance um, is really important um, because that way you're kind of uh, easing the. Um, efforts for contribution, um, basically giving, you know, a menu of things that people can select from. I would suggest, you know, having some easy ones, some more challenging and, um, you know, clearly define, spend the time to write it as if, and you are, in fact, writing it as somebody else is, um, is uh, going to do this. So what that means is, you know, have a really clear user story, um, have your acceptance criteria, Um, if you can provide details of uh, where in the code this might um, be affecting, because remember that, you know, for a lot of people, they're going through making a bunch of PRs, they're going to go to your repo and they don't have time to figure out the whole entire history of your repo and your context and all that. So you you have to give as much information as possible so that someone that doesn't even use your service can be able to come in there and make a meaningful contribution. That's not always the case, but I think for a, a lot of the, the um, enhancements that could be true. Um, so that's what I've got um, for this episode, but I'd love to have Ashley uh, close us out.
1: Cool. Well, uh, we really appreciate uh, your attention and uh, listening to the podcast. Um, I'm excited to, to be here. Love to get any feedback that you um, you want to share um, politely negative or politely positive. Um, and you can reach me at, on Twitter at – it's just at A-Roach, A-R-O-A-C-H. And uh, so thanks for, thanks for listening.
0: For this week's DX Automator update – just wanted to quickly remind you about what that project is for. And especially now that we're in the midst of Hacktoberfest, it's even more important for us. So you know, when you're managing multiple repos, there's a couple challenges. One is, is trying to you know, keep track of all of the different fast-moving changes and having uh, you know, an automated way to do things so that you can maintain consistency and quality. But even more important than that, perhaps, is the idea of understanding what you should be actually working on next. And that's what the automator is trying to do, is help you get rid of the TDM, um, make processes and systems to support you and your team and your community, and at the same time, help you figure out when you sit down at your computer and you're ready to solve that next issue or do that next code review or do that next release, what Actually, you should be working on next, and we accomplish that using the uh, rice methodology and I have a, a link to a blog post in the show notes that explain that in detail, but basically the idea is that it helps you determine what uh, should be worked on next, for example, if you have two identical issues in two different repos, um, which one should you do um, and one of the metrics could be you know how much um, how many people use uh, that particular repo versus the other one might be one metric, for example. Um, Another metric might be, you know, how difficult is this thing to do? You know, something that takes like five minutes or is this like a two week project? Things of that nature. So this formula takes into account um, multiple uh, data points to help you figure out what you should be working on next. Um, you can find that repo at dx-automator um, in our SynGrid repo. Um, you can also find it in the show notes. Um, I'm really excited because, um, you know, the original version, it was built as a monolith working on Heroku. It's what we use today. Um, but we quickly saw with the last Fest when we had so many PRs that it uh, started to uh, creak a little bit and, wasn't able to um, grow with our fast pace of growth of growth so we decided to break it up into uh, microservices to make it more efficient and to decouple some things and hopefully make it easier to maintain and use especially um, for those who just need to use bits of it because we um, are trying to make this thing generic so that you can easily use it in your project Um, so if you'd like to participate in Hacktoberfest by contributing to that project. We greatly appreciate it. Um, There's lots to do in that project. Um, So go ahead and have a look and, and have fun. Today's episode is brought to you by DX Mobile. This is a newly open sourced repo that one of our amazing interns over the summer, Agnes, uh, was able to create. It's a mobile application that runs natively on iOS and Android made possible by flutter.io, which is a framework created by Google that uh, uses Dart as the programming language so that you can um, develop once and deploy natively uh, to iOS and Android. The um, app itself is meant to be a tool to help you maintain multiple repos while you're on the go. So, you know, we have over 20-some repos that we're actively maintaining, especially during Hectoberfest season. There's lots of activity and PRs, and it's very convenient to be able to have one place to go um, in a mobile app to where you can uh, access all of those repos in kind of a unified manner, kind of like a Dashboard, if you will, of all of your of the repos that you're maintaining, um, because of course you know as you get emails coming in, you can click on them and it'll take you to the GitHub page and they have a nice uh, mobile interface. But what we're trying to do here is make that process um, better for those who have to manage more than one repo, um, so that you can uh, ultimately similar to the mission of the DX Automator is figure out what actually is the issue you should be triaging right now. Um, instead of just randomly um, choosing them or choosing just the latest one that came, we'd like to make that process a little bit smarter. So this pro- this um, software is very early phase. Um, it does work now. You can download it uh, today and actually get it to run um, on your device. Um, but it you know, there's a lot to do, and you know this is Hacktoberfest. So, if you want to gain some points and earn one of those awesome uh, SynGrid T-shirts or stickers, um, you should definitely head on over there and check it out. And we hope it'll be useful for you as a maintainer to be able to help manage uh, your repos on the go. So, uh, hope you enjoy it and uh, happy hacking!